Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. So Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse 14, the title of my message tonight is shine, shine. All right. Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the message that you've given me to deliver tonight. I pray, God, that you would change our hearts. You would motivate us. You would cause us, Lord God, to be the lights that shine the gospel of Jesus in the darkness that we encounter. Bless your people and touch them tonight in your name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. In some ways, if you were here last Wednesday night, I preached a message entitled, We Have a Hope. And I talked about the fact that Paul tells us the God of all hope wants to fill us with all hope to overflowing as we are taught and instructed by the Holy Spirit. So if we have hope, then we should do something with that hope. So this is kind of like part two, okay, or a continuation. Because we have a hope, then church, we should shine. We should shine. We should be light, the light of Jesus, the light of that hope that is within us. We should shine everywhere we go. Do you actually know that darkness is the absence of light? That when there is darkness, it's because there is no light. But as soon as you light a light, as soon as you, they, they, I, I never served in the military, but military people could probably attest to this, that especially when we were in conflicts like Vietnam and other places, you didn't want to be in the, if you were out somewhere, you didn't want to be the one that lit that lighter to, to, to take a toke on your cigarette because a sniper, uh, uh, however many yards away, could pick you off because it's, even though it was pitch dark, that little bit of light would illuminate and that would be a target. That's the same way with, with light. Light, darkness cannot stand, cannot stay, cannot dominate in the presence of light. If you don't believe me, when you go home tonight, go into a room that you don't have the light turned on, just go stand in the room and you'll see that there's an absence of light and it's darkness. But as soon as you flip on the light, darkness runs underneath the closet door, darkness runs out, it, it, it scatters in the presence of light. We are called to shine, church. We are called to be the light in this world, Jesus tells us that. He said, you're the light in the world. Now, let me set the context for this, this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. You've probably heard me say it before, but it's the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters. It is the bylaws of the kingdom of God. Jesus was, saw the multitude, sat down on the mountainside and began to teach and said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And for Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he gives them this, this great sermon that I would recommend that you recommend, that you recommend, that you memorize and recommend to other people to read. But I would recommend that you memorize it because it will, it will help you in times of, you'll remember the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will cause you to remember the words of Jesus. Things like, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit for they will see the kingdom of God. Blessed are the merciful so, because they will attain mercy. 
And when Jesus gets to this point in the message, he doesn't say, okay, guys, I, I, I want to see who's willing. So everybody that wants to be the light of the world, come over here on the right. And the rest of you that aren't really interested in being the light of the world, you can move over to the left and we'll just see what we got. That's not what he does. He's preaching to the multitudes and he makes a declaration. And that declaration is Matthew chapter five, verse 14. You are the light of the world. What was he saying? He's saying that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're going to be a believer in Jesus and follow him, because please understand, there's lots of people that believe that Jesus existed, but that doesn't mean they're following his teachings. There's lots of people that believe that Jesus was a good guy, that he was a, he was a, a prophet, he was a teacher, he was a, a morally upright man that got a bad rap and got accused of stuff. And, and yeah, historically they say he was crucified, but that doesn't mean they believe that he's the son of the living God, he's the savior, he's He's the Messiah. He's the light of the world because he declares that over himself. He's the savior who came in to seek and save that which is lost. There's lots of people that believe that Jesus existed or that he still exists, but that doesn't mean they follow after him. But Jesus is telling this crowd, if you're going to be my disciples, if you're going to follow after me, if you're going to believe in me and do what I say, then you are the light of the world. Now it's interesting that we can be all kinds of lights. Because the Bible says that, help me Holy Spirit, I'm trying to remember the passage, but I can't, that's okay, trust me, it's in there. The Bible says that, that if our heart is full of darkness, how great is that light? So that it's an indication that we could give off the wrong kind of light, that we could be shining the wrong kind of light. And I want to give you tonight in the time that we have some lights that I see prevalent in the church, not here, but in the church, some that we shouldn't be and some that we should be. So we're going to talk about that here tonight. But he has called us to be the light of the world because we have a hope and that hope is Jesus. And the God of all hope wants to fill us with all hope as the Holy Spirit instructs us on how to be the light of the world. And so we go shining forth the hope of Jesus to the world because he's the only answer. He's what the world needs. He's got Rick and Pia going to Indonesia because he wants a light to shine in Indonesia. He's got Mike and Kathy going to uh, England first and then Amsterdam because he wants the light shining in those nations because we have a hope and we need to share that hope. He's called us to Tucson to bring the light and the truth of the gospel of Jesus to that city. And we will go full of hope overflowing because Jesus declares we were the light of the world. We are the light of the world. So we will shine. So using this message that Jesus preached tonight in Matthew chapter five, I want to talk to you tonight about different types of lights that can be seen in the church, which ones we should avoid and which ones we should be. So are you ready? In your notes, light number one, the stoplight of correction. The stoplight of correction. I'm going to preach, but I'm going to do a little teaching tonight too. See, there's a lot of people in the church that like to go around and tell people to stop. Stop sinning, stop lying, stop stealing, stop doing this, stop doing that, stop sleeping together, stop fornicating, stop living in sin, stop this, stop that, stop gossip, stop slander, stop, 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 stop. Well, aren't we supposed to tell people to stop doing things? Yeah. 
But the problem is, if we don't tell them what to do once they stop, then we've created a really bad situation. Because see, you have stop, you have lights on your back of your car. They're called brake lights that indicate to the person behind you that you're stopping. But if you're stopping because you're not sure which direction to go and you find out the direction you need to go, you've got another light on your car called a turn signal. And can I tell you that if we go running around telling people to stop all the time, we need to not only tell them to stop doing the things that they're doing that is harming them, that is hurting them, that is sending them uh, separated from God into eternity, but we need to tell them to get right because they're going to get left if they don't. Some of you are getting it. We should tell people to stop. We should tell people to stop worrying. We should tell people to stop being filled with anxiety. We should tell people to stop, not because we want to condemn them, but unfortunately, many times that's what the stoplight of correction does. It condemns people. Let me give you an example from scripture, Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. It talks about the fact that a man has been delivered uh, from demonic oppression and possession. Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through the dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. What am I trying to say tonight? As I'm talking about the stoplight of correction. Yes, please. We've got to warn people. We've got to let people know that if they continue down the path that they're on, they're headed for destruction, that they're harming themselves, that in the fact that they feel like they're free to do and be and live and however they want to, they're actually in great bondage because the enemy's got them tricked into believing that if they surrender their life to Jesus, they're going to have to stop doing a whole bunch of stuff. Can I tell you, when I came to Jesus, truly met Jesus, when he forgave me, when I didn't deserve to be forgiven by human standard, by man's standards, when he said, if you'll simply repent, I will restore you. When I encounter Jesus like that, it wasn't a matter of what do I have to stop doing. It was a matter of, man, now I get to live. I get to enjoy life. I get to do what God created me to do. So although we need to be a voice that says, a voice of warning and a voice that says, hey, you really don't want to do that. We got to do more than just tell them to stop what they're doing. We got to tell them what they should start doing, that they should learn how to pray. Let me teach you. They should learn how to read the word of God. Let me show you that they should get in fellowship with believers. Come to my life group. They should uh, start hanging out with, with Christians. Hey, come on. We're having a fellowship. We're having, come over to my house. Let's talk about things. Let's watch the game together. There won't be any beer or alcohol or cussing or all of that stuff at my house. And we can watch the game together. We, we got to start telling them what to do, not just be a stoplight of correction. All right? Number two in your notes. Bug light of rejection. Now, I grew up in the South. My wife says sometimes when I really get to preaching, it shows up. I grew up in the South. I was born in Savannah, Georgia. I moved to Memphis, Tennessee when I was five. And when we left to come to Alaska in 1998, we left from Memphis to come to Alaska. So I'm a Southern boy, okay? 
And uh, I, I know what bug lights are. Maybe you don't know what bug lights are. I'm not, now that's a picture of a zapper, which those are good, but that's not, I, I wasn't fully talking about that. Bug lights are light bulbs that are yellow. Now in the South, because at night, if you have your porch light on, your back porch or your front porch or both, it doesn't matter. If you have your porch lights on and you don't have a yellow bug light, you got bugs everywhere. I mean, you can't step out your door without running into something flying, sticks, it's stuck to the screen, it's crawling all over. I mean, again, growing up in the South, we used to have tent meetings, which is church under the tent. And you, you, you always had to watch out when it started getting dusk because the lights underneath the tent started to make a glow. And in Tennessee, they got some moths that are the size of sparrows and they can sure interrupt a worship service. I mean, you might think it's the Holy Spirit, the way people are acting. They just trying to get the moth out of their hair or off their shirt. Cause bugs are attracted to light. So in the South, if you don't want bugs getting in your house when you open the back door, you don't want them hanging out all over your, your screen door, you put a bug light, a yellow light. And that yellow light isn't attractive to the bugs. So what does that have to do with you and I? Can I tell you, church, I'm afraid? And again, I am not speaking about here. I'm talking about the church in general. I'm afraid that much of the church has started to adopt that we're the light of the world as bug lights of rejection. Because the yellow light will give a, the light that the people in the house need to see when they go out their back door. But it doesn't attract a bug. And can I tell you the reason why people get, start having this philosophy of a bug light of rejection is because they forgot that they were once a bug themselves. Now I'll let the Holy Spirit sit, with, sit that on you wherever it needs to apply. But if we ever forget that we were once bugs, now we are sinners, we are not sinners, we are sinners saved by grace, but we're not sinners anymore. We are sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, we are called saints. We are called priests and kings before our God. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people chosen by God for his own purposes. That's who we are, but don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget where God delivered you from. Don't ever forget the kind of bug that you were before somebody flipped on the light and it wasn't a bug light of rejection. It was, a bug, it was a light that said, bugs are welcome here. Come here and find what you need. The bug light of rejection. Let me give you scripture for, for that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, we were bugs, but we are no longer bugs. But we can't neglect the other bugs. We can't ignore the other bugs. We can't reject the other bugs. We got to shine a light that's going to say, come, and I will help you become that brand new creation. I will introduce you to Jesus, and he will make you brand new. Amen? Because we've been transformed, changed, made brand new, we have a hope. And if we have a hope, then we should want everyone else to find that hope, Jesus Christ. Light number three, the motion light of reaction. Now, y'all understand what a motion light is, right? You, you, you put these up around your property or on your building or on your house because you don't want to have light going on all the time because it costs money. 
but you put these motion lights up so that when there's something that, that is motion around it, it lights up. Some of you are tracking with me already. I can see it on your face. Motion lights of reaction. You know, Jesus didn't say that we should shine our light when we want to. Jesus didn't say shine your light when you're with the right crowd. Jesus didn't say you're the light of the world and you can pick and choose when you want to shine it. You can pick and choose who you want to show the light to. You can hide it and then reveal it when it's, when it's the right time. He said, no, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we don't need in the church to be motion lights of reaction. What I mean by that is when we're with one crowd, there ain't much light shining. Because if there was light shining, that crowd wouldn't want us around. But as soon as we get around another crowd, there's motion by the other crowd, then man, the light shines. See, Jesus ran into these kind of people. They were the Pharisees. That when it was time to shine, like standing on the street corner, Jesus said, you can read it, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, when you were, when you were, don't, when you pray, don't pray like the, the, the Pharisees who stand on the street corner and pray, oh, Father God, I am so thankful that I am so righteous in your sight, and I am not like that sinner. I am not like that person anymore, but I am righteous and good and holy and righteous before you. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what he said, because he said, if that's what you do, then that's all the reward you'll get, the fact that people saw your reaction to the motion around you. The motion light of reaction is something that we need to make sure we, we guard against becoming. Because remember, we've established we are the light of the world. So we got to determine what kind of light we're going to be. Are we going to be a kind of light that when we're, see, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. I have a hard time with, with, with as believers saying, well, that's my, that's my sacred stuff. That's my, my church stuff. That's my, my church time. And this is my secular stuff. You know, this is my, I, I, things used to be separated in the tabernacle and in the temple, there were dividing things and, and only certain people who, who consecrated themselves called the priest could go all the way into the presence of God. But Jesus took care of that when he died on the cross. Cause when he, when he was nailed on the cross and he breathed his last breath and said, it is finished. And he died. The Bible says that in the temple, the veil that separated everybody else from God was torn in two from the top to the bottom, which was an impossible feat for a person to do because it was, it was the, the, the material of that veil, that curtain was so thick that nobody could rip it by hand. And it also went from the, it's significant, it says from the top to the bottom, because it was too tall for a person without getting some kind of ladders and stuff to climb up and everybody would have noticed that. But when Jesus died and said, it is finished, Father God ripped the veil uh, in two and said, now no longer is access into my presence uh, reserved only for people, only for certain people, but it's reserved for all who will. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the problem sometimes with being this motion light of reaction is, is, well, you know, I just, my boss is going to get mad at me. I, I, I get it. I, I've worked, I've, I've been dual employed. I've worked outside of the church while pastoring because of the, the size of the congregation and we were a large family, you know. When you got six kids, you got mouths to feed. That's why we're loving being empty nesters, hallelujah. <laughs> 
Jan said what Jan said last night. She said that we had a great day yesterday. We spent the day yesterday getting lots of practical stuff done and went to Moose's Tooth and had some amazing salads that Moose's Tooth have. And she said, we, we've been going out to eat a lot lately. I said, yep, and our food bill's still cheaper than it was when we had children at home. <laughs> Where am I going with all that? I, I get that you might feel under pressure at work, that I can't, I can't let my light shine, that, you know, when I'm around them, I can't bring up Jesus. I can't. I would just offer to you, who says you can't? Okay? Because I guarantee you, oh, I'm going to step on toes, and I don't mean to, but I know what the Holy Spirit tells me. I guarantee you, if you are the employee that shows up not only on time, but a few minutes early, does your job to the best of your ability, does what you're asked to do for your job, that is faithful, that your boss knows they can depend on you, that your boss knows that you're not going to complain about all kind of nonsense, that you're not going to get caught up in the rumor mill of how come, I can't believe they got a raise, I've been here longer than them. You're not, you're not worried about that. You're, you're there to do a job and to do it with the best of your ability because the Bible says whatever your hand finds to do, do it unto the Lord with all your might. I guarantee you, if you are that kind of employee and, and, and you let your light shine, boss is not going to fire you. Now, he may talk to you and say, can you tone it down? And y'all have a discussion and say, what am I violating? Is there, is there something I'm violating? Because I'm, I'm just trying to be who I am. And who I am is, is producing. Who I am is faithful. Who I am is dependable. Who I am is... Somebody needed to hear that because that ain't nothing in my notes. But somebody needed to hear that. Because we don't need to be the motion light of reaction that shines when we all together on Sunday uh, or Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday or Friday. We need to be the light that shines all the time in this world because we have a hope, church. Amen? <laughs> a couple of scripture verses. Revelation 3.15, I know your works that you were neither hot, neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. Make a decision. Don't be, don't be this motion light of you're going to react as a Christian here, but not react as a Christian over here. Make up your mind. Determined to be the light of the world. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Light number four. The night light of relaxation. Are y'all enjoying this? Are y'all getting something tonight? All right. The night light of relaxation. How much light does a night light really give? Okay. I, I mean, trust me, if you've ever got up and gone down the hall and there wasn't a nightlight and you ran into the wall, you would have liked to have had a nightlight shining in the hall because it kept you from stubbing your toe. Or if you got kids and you ever stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night, oh dear Jesus, help you. I mean, there is, uh, there is no pain like that kind of pain. <laughs> Because you just, you know, you're half conscious. It's two in the morning and you got to get up because the dog's got to go out or you got to take care of something, whatever, you know, and you, you step out and you walk down the hall and there's Legos. It's like they set them as a trap. We'll get them tonight, you know, and you step on that, man, it's like, Jesus, I'm glad I'm saved at that moment. So a nightlight might help you avoid some of that. But it's not going to help you see what's down at the end of the hall. It's not going to, if, if, if you forgot that you, you put, took something out of the bedroom at the end of the hall and, and set it in the hallway, the nightlight's not going to shine enough for you to see. It, it just sets a kind of relaxing tone. Now, the Bible, this one, this one can go either way. Because Jesus said that when you, he said, 
that we're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men take a light and light it and put it under a, a basket. They don't tone it down. They light it and set it in a way that it gives light to the whole house. Okay? But we can get stuck in being the night light of relaxation that we're really not going to cause too much trouble. We're not going to really, you know, we, we're shining. And if people really, really wanted to, to know what our, this little light of mine is all about, then, then I tell them, but I'm not really going to cause a whole lot of scene and I'm not really going to illuminate a whole lot of stuff. And there's not going to be a whole lot of darkness pushed back because uh, I'm just a nightlight of relaxation. And like I said, that's, that's the negative. The, the positive is sometimes we as believers in letting our light shine, we overwhelm people. Okay. I mean, if people have, you, you, it, there's been lots of stories throughout time where people have been trapped in a well or a cave in that kind of thing. And they've been in darkness for a long time. I remember when, when I was in Boy Scouts, we, uh, we took a, a, an overnight camping trip to Cumberland Caverns in Cumberland, Tennessee. And uh, we, we were going to spend the night in the cave. And I'm talking, it's not like the mouth of the cave where you look out and you can see the stars. I'm talking you hiked into the cave, into the caverns, and it had generators with lights and stuff. But I remember when they said, lights out three minutes, they weren't kidding. Because when those lights went out, you couldn't, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Talk about pitch dark. People that have been stuck in that, the last thing that they need and you want to do if you rescue them is overwhelm them with light. They can't handle it. John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery. Jesus didn't overwhelm her. But he said, where are those that accuse you? Because they were wanting to overwhelm her with their light. But the light that Jesus showed to her was a light that invited her. So that's why this one, you can go either way. Just check what your motive is. If your motive in not shining your light so bright is you don't want to overwhelm them, but you're working with them, and thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, it'll, it'll get us going in the right direction. And the more we go down that direction, the brighter the light can become. You, you tracking with what I'm trying to say? So we've got to be careful not to overwhelm them all at once. You know, the blood of Jesus that saves you from your sin. He's the propitiation and the justification and the sanctification and the redemption. And they're like, what language are you speaking? Okay. That can come later when they go to KSM. They can learn all those words. What all that definition means. So be careful. If you find yourself in situations, you might need to tone it down just a little bit, but check your motive. Because if you tone it down, because you're just not really, I know I got to shine, but I'm just not really, I don't want to be bothered by people. I don't really want to get wrapped up in their stuff. You just got to be careful with that. Number five, the spotlight of illumination. We're going to do things a little different tonight. Brother Toby, if you could come back to the keyboard if you are here. There he is. Thank you. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, the spotlight of illumination is really the Holy Spirit's job. In talking about these lights 
that we see in the church, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of Jesus, we've got to make sure that the Holy Spirit gets to do his job, which is be the spotlight of illumination. Not only on us, but on other people that we encounter. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10.9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And verse 13 says, and I quoted it, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What am I saying tonight? I'm saying tonight as I've been doing my best to give you things that you'll remember. Because some of you, you're going to remember this for a long time. The stoplight of correction and the bug light of rejection and the motion light of reaction and the nightlight of relaxation. I've been trying to set the stage so that the Holy Spirit can shine the spotlight of illumination on your heart and on my heart tonight. See, Jesus was serious when he said, we are the light of the world. He wasn't making it optional. So what we have to do is make sure that we always allow the spotlight of illumination from the Holy Spirit to shine on us and to do what David prayed. Search me, O God, and know me. Try me. See if there's any wickedness in me. Shine your light, Holy Spirit, on my life so I can get rid of that wickedness. I can get rid of that darkness. I can get rid of that attitude. I can get rid of that sin. I can get rid of that thing that is, is holding me back, that weight that is that, that so easily keeping me from being able to run the race that you've called me to run. Allowing the Holy Spirit to do his job. We have one more light that I want to talk about in just a minute, but before we get there, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, if he is shining a light on your life in the area of surrendering your life to Jesus, giving your life to Jesus for the first time, rededicating your life because your, your, your light's real dim or your light went out, then I want to give you an opportunity to make that commitment to him right now before we hit point number six and close right where you are. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment? And maybe you're here, we'll deal with salvation or rededication in just a moment, but I also wanna, I don't wanna not emphasize this. Maybe you're here and you, you, you love Jesus and you've been serving him and you do more than believe in him. You've been doing your best to try to obey him. But something that I said tonight by the power of Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. And you just need forgiveness for that. Your light hasn't been what it should be. It's been a stoplight of correction without any light of direction, telling people the right way to go. Or it's been those other lights that we talked about. And what you're feeling right now is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then I would say, listen to what he says to you. Breathe a simple prayer of 
belief in him that he will forgive you and cleanse you of that and cause you to start shining your light like you know you're supposed to. And we'll talk about the, the best way to shine the light in just a moment. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you've never accepted him, those of you online, perhaps, or those that will listen to this or watch this later, you're here tonight and you, you've, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You came tonight because a friend invited you. You came tonight because it's what you were supposed to do tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just lift your hand tonight if that's you? I want to pray for you. Or you want to rededicate your life to Jesus? Would you lift your hand and say, I, I just, my light has gotten dim and I just want to recommit my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up. Hallelujah. Pray, saints, pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll wait just a moment. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it back down. Anyone else? All right, well, stand with me tonight. And yeah, we'll get to the last point in just a second. I don't know, there was a dozen hands that went up across this place. With the light, it's a little hard to see sometimes, but about a dozen hands. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but that's okay. We just want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer. And again, we never want to have a service and dismiss it without doing this. Because we don't know, we're not guaranteed. The book of James tells us, our, what is our life? It's a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So right now is the right time to make all things right. So if, if you want to repeat this prayer after me, if you raised your hand, I would challenge you and encourage you to repeat this prayer. But if you didn't raise your hand, you can repeat this prayer anyway. Let's just make sure that all things are right. Repeat this prayer after me. Father God, thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for being light that shined in my darkness and showed me how much I needed you. So tonight, Lord, I give myself to you again. I repent of my sin. I repent of my neglect. I repent of anything that is keeping me not in right relation with you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. Make me brand new. And I will live for you. I will shine for you. And I will spend eternity with you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, you can be seated because I want to give you number six. You can keep playing. Number six. It's what I call mirror the light of reflection. Mirrors reflect light and they reflect light in the form of the image of whatever is looking or gazing or it's focused on. Do you know on, your, on most modern cars now, your headlights are a little bitty light bulb that doesn't shine out, it shines back. And what it shines on is all the reflective mirror type material in the headlight housing. Do you know that those big spotlights that they shine into the sky that seem to shine forever? It's got a pretty good sized bulb, but you know what makes and causes the light to go as far as it does is all the reflective material inside the housing. Look at your flashlight. Mirrors are designed to reflect whatever they are beholding. 
Can I tell you when Jesus said that we are the light of the world, he also declared that he was the light of the world. And I think the best type of light that you and I could be would be to be a mirror that reflects the light and the person and the hope of Jesus to everybody that we see. Amen? Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what God has for you. That's what he has for me. When he says and declares that we're the light of the world, he is saying, you're going to look like me. You're going to be my image. You're going to be the reflected image of me to everybody that you come in contact with. So I will ask this question and we already prayed, but maybe you need to pray again later. What kind of reflection of Jesus have you been? I had to ask myself that question today. And it's something that I am determined to make always before me that when people look at me, obviously they see what I look like, a little overweight, but getting there. Glasses, starting to get a little gray, bald spot. But more than they see that, that they see Jesus. That when they look at me because my life is focused on him, See, if my life becomes a mirror that I allow the Holy Spirit to keep clean, because if you've got kids, it's amazing what they do to the mirrors when they brush their hair, brush their teeth, put on hair products, put on deodorant. It does. It's like, what were you doing in there? Because you go in and man, you, the mirror is all kind of, some of you parents are like, I, yeah, I know, we raised six of them, okay? And when that happens, you got to get some, you got to get some Windex. You got to get some cleaner. You got to get something. Cause if you just get a towel, it just smears, makes it worse. So you get something to clean the mirror off so that you can see a true reflection of what's going on. See, when our lives get dirty because of sin, when stuff happens in our lives and our lives are a mirror, we need the power of Holy Spirit to come and be the Holy Ghost Windex, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, be the cleaning agent that comes and cleans our mirror off and shines our mirror so that when, we, when, when, when people see us, all they see is Him. Amen? So I challenge you tonight as we close, let's be the right reflection of Jesus. Let's be a mirror that shines the light of Jesus as a reflection because we are focused on him. And so when they look at us, they see his image in us. And if we can do that, then we'll fulfill what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five. And we'll be that light of the world that lets our light shine. Amen? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.